Good afternoon, everybody. This is Jeremy Wilson with another episode of the Texas Wine Lover Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, today I'm hanging out with a cool glass of wine uh, over in uh, the Hill Country with uh, Chris Brundrett of William Chris Vineyards. Uh, Chris, thanks for hanging out with me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for thanks for coming over today and spending an afternoon in High America. Yeah, it's good stuff. Absolutely. And we have some good stuff in our glasses. We won't tell you about it, but... You guys can look forward to some pretty cool stuff coming out. In the spring, in the spring. In springtime. <laughs> we'll keep it a secret, but the secret's ours in this room. That's right. Um, so, all the listeners, thank you for tuning in. And uh, Chris, you know, most people know who you guys are out here. Um, for those listeners who don't know who you, um, what is your position here and, and what kind of founded everything with William Chris? Oh, shoot. I think I'm the the head plumber and check writer out around here. Um, you know, we... Uh, we uh, started about 2008 uh, when Bill and I got first got started. Um, he and I were really great friends together at first, and I really respected his uh, viticulture knowledge. And I was just a, a young, um, dumbass winemaker. I shouldn't say that, I guess. Um, I was a young and dumb winemaker uh, and vineyard manager and GM of a little winery, and he... Uh, he, uh, I really respected what he did and one thing led to another and we started really feeding off each other and had the same dream and same vision of making beautiful Texas wine and one thing led to another and um, after a lot of vodka, he and I decided to open up uh, a winery together and we called it William Chris Vineyards. So, um, as far as what I do here now, um, I guess I'm the winemaker and GM of um, I guess I do more, more, more of the tasting room and more of the um, the winemaking here. And Bill does a lot of the all of the vineyard management. We farm about six different farms all over Texas. Um, and then I guess I do more of the production. But then when it comes to you know all our blends and all our wine final wine decisions, you know it's a total team effort around here. Uh, Bill and myself and Josh and Matt, our assistants. Um, you know, it's a it's a very group effort that makes up William Chris. So. You guys definitely have a good thing going for sure. Thanks, um, man. I, I kind of refer to William Chris as kind of like the ACDC of the, <laughs> the wine industry because you guys you have such loyal fans. We have loud music playing all the time everywhere. <laughs> People come out here, they have a great time. You know, your yeah. pickup parties are kind of you know renowned out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody loves it. And uh, what, what do you think is the key? What makes William Chris William Chris? You know, you guys have been around for you know five years, five and a half years. What makes you so successful in, in retaining these wine club members and putting together these great parties? And you got all these fun wines, the emotion, and all your all your backbone wines that are a little bit different than other sure. things going on. You're not just doing Tempranillo, which right. we know is a great varietal in Texas. Yeah, you guys are doing your own thing down here. I tell you what, um, something that is what. Uh, what attracted you know Bill and I to to even each other and, and, and our our thoughts on wine in in William Chris in a nutshell is it's truly all about sharing a piece of our world and I want to repeat that because it's very very important it's about sharing a piece of our world I could be bringing in you know wine from California or you know making New Mexico wine or whatever and and, and, and you know hats off to people that can do that and sell that and. You know, there's so many other things I could be doing that would make me money, but instead, and you know, maybe I'm an idiot, but, it, you know, I'm about sharing a piece of our world, and that's what's brought us 
in my opinion, it's not about all the press, it's not about the money, it's not about the gold medal, screw that, I mean, who cares, right? It's about, it's about when a guest drives over our cattle guard, and I get to create an experience with them, and, uh, and, and share with their family or their friends what 15 minutes north of Fredericksburg tastes like. I can share with them what, what Brownfield, Texas tastes like. I can share with them what high Texas when they're sitting on our back porch and they get to taste what wine off of our uh, high vineyard tastes like. I mean, that is, it's true sharing at its ultimate form. And that's something that, I mean, I mean, it's not that, I, it's not that gold medals or silver medal or whatever, or, or being in um, any magazine or whatever. I mean, that's all great and well and good or, or, so you make a lot of money and sell lots of wine and all that stuff. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not gratifying to me. What's gratifying to me is seeing a, a generation of people that can sit and taste what wine really is. When you taste wine that's truly from Texas with a sense of place that there's nothing added to it. It's grapes, wine, and minimum sulfites. And, you know, very minimum handling practices really make up what is William Chris? And when you can share that with people and they get it and, and, and you make that spark, that's, that's what's made us what we are today. And in the end, I tell my and, and employees and our team and everything, the, the rest comes. I mean, it's not about selling a case of wine to somebody or whatever. That, none of that crap matters. It's, it's about giving people the gift of wine, whether it's sex wine or, North Carolina or Napa or, you know, wherever. And I think we do that here. When you come over our cattle garden, you sit down and for a real experience and you have fun and, and you taste something that's real and, and then the rest doesn't matter. Nice. So. Yeah. And you can kind of see that when you pull up, even today, you know, walking around with you, I mean, it's a working winery. Everybody's kind of laid back and, and doing their thing and, and you're making something happen here. It's not, uh, you know, pretentious at all obviously and, and we and really try not there. to be we really try not to be and, and sometimes I think unfortunately sometimes I think we're seen as that and I think um you know if, if you're a bachelorette party that wants to come in and have a great time we're all about that but you know we're about sharing a piece of our world and we want you to experience what real wine is and, and in a fun great manner and if you're not all about that then you know unfortunately you can go down the road and I don't I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just we can only see so many people. And yeah. it used to wear on me as far as, like, when you get hate mail, like, hey, we tried to get in your wine, winery for an hour, and we couldn't do it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, make please make a reservation because we will roll out the red carpet for you. Yeah. You know, we can only see 400 to 500 people on a Saturday. I don't allow any more in here because the experience is taken away, and it's not allowing us to share a piece of our world. Yeah. So. And like I said, it is about the piece of your world and about the wine. And if you can't even get the fullest enjoyment from that, then, yeah. yeah. I'd rather you have no experience than a bad experience. And, um, you know, we're at a point now where we're not making any more wine. We're making 10-ish thousand cases. And I really have no desire to go over that. And, you know, we're making a good living. And that's, it's, we can share with our guests um, a wonderful experience and wonderful wines. Pretty cool. It shows. You guys are doing Thank you nice very much. Man. It's, a, it's a great team. It's not just me. It's Bill and um, our whole staff here is amazing. They work really, really hard, and that's what enables us to do what we do. 
And, and speaking of that, I want to branch off just a second, and hopefully you don't mind talking about the wine club. You know, everybody who's a really big fan of William Chris, it's kind of going around the internet. You know, the wine club, you guys have stopped accepting members right now. Is that because of, you know, you're, you're kind of leveling off the ceiling as far as wine production or, you know, as far as how many wine club members you are capable of shipping to or what was kind of the theory behind that? Oh, gosh. Um, the, it all boils down to, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to get more wine out to more people, obviously, you know, like my, I'm $1.2 million in debt, you know, <laughs> like, of course, I'd rather have more wine club members. Um, but it, it all comes down to production. Um, you know, we started this little bitty place with 400 cases. And then the next year, I think we did something like 1,500 or maybe 2,000 or something like that. And then, you know, then we did 5,000 and we did whatever. And now we're at 10 or 11,000. And it's just like this harvest took a piece of my soul that I'll never get back again. And I have young kids and, you know, Bill's, Bill's not getting any younger. And I love where we're at. I just don't have any desire to just go to 20,000 cases. And we frankly can't make enough wine. I mean, that's what it, I mean. It's the the Texas wine dilemma, right? I mean, yeah. like we do it all, Texas. Uh, Bill and I both have other brands that we work on, you know, in, in California. But that never touches a William Chris glass. A William Chris is one hundred percent Texas, always has been, always will be, um, and that's something that's very important to us. And I don't want to. I mean, I wish I was a genie and I could just snap my fingers and make wine you know, make more wine, but it takes time and you can't rush it. You can't push it. I feel like already some of our wines are really beautiful. And then you taste them two years after they were released. And of course they were sold out in six months and you're like, man, this wine is really great and awesome and beautiful. And you're like, I wish we were releasing it now instead of a year and a half ago, you know? Yeah. It's all part of the dilemma though. You said it's, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have, but it is still a problem of selling out of wine faster than you can make it, pretty much. Absolutely. And, or, and all the wineries are, are definitely dealing with the fact that they're releasing wines younger than they care to. Uh, right. It's all part of it. Sure. Uh, but luckily, they're they're tasting good right now anyway. So Thanks, man. Everybody wins regardless. Yeah. yeah um, and, and one last thing to touch on that, we talked about the sense of place. And you talked about, you know, this is all Texas, the, the vineyard. You know, I get a lot of, you know... There's a lot of questions, you know, hey, where are the vineyards in Central Texas? It's not like Silverado Trail and Napa where there, you know, there's four or five acres at each winery at least. And you guys do have, uh, you know, vines out here on property. Yeah, and they're absolutely. not just for show. These are these are producing uh, vines for your no, wine. No, absolutely not. No, they, we make, I think we'll probably make a thousand cases off the little production that we do here, which is 10%. Um, but Bill and I farm oh, six vineyards all over Texas. So we've got... Um, Three vineyards right here in the hill country, Granite Hill, obviously, and then which is our kind of big gun show vineyard that's, shoot, I think 17 years old now, and that's Bill's baby. I mean, he's been there since day one. I mean, that is a part of him, and, and um, you know, I've, uh, I'd love to swoop in and take some credit for Granite Hill, but the, the, all the hats off go go to Bill. He, uh, he has directed that vineyard for years. Then we took over the Clink family vineyard, which is about three acres of San Gio, right north of Fredericksburg, um, a couple of years ago. And that's been an awesome little vineyard for us. Um, then we've got a couple acres here of of, Gio, or of uh, uh, Petit Verdot, uh, Malbec, and Tanat, right here in High. Um, and you can flip a coin and decide. <laughs> you'll see what, what we're going to plant. I'm pushing for Mervet and Tanat. Bill maybe wants some more Malbec. I think you're going to see us plant another four or five acres, maybe three acres next year. 
of I'm thinking it's going to be Tanat and Morved, but um, we'll see who wins on that battle. And then we've got some other properties we're developing around the whole country that, you know, to, to be continued. Uh, we have another couple acre vineyard um, in San Angelo, Texas, um, and then another one in Brownfield, and then another one in Fort Davis. And so those are some really unique wines that we like showing to to our guests. Um, in addition to, you know, Lost Draw is a big part of who we are. Andy and Lauren Timmons have been great friends and, and great partners in our growth for a long, long time. And uh, we do a lot of a lot of projects and a lot of things together. And I think that you're going to see more and more wonderful wines come out of Brownfield and the High Plains and, and Andy Timmons in addition to what we farm here. So, Yeah, it's, it's actually pretty cool. You guys have a, a broad repertoire of terroir to pull from. When you're talking about all the way from the High Plains, Hill Country, Fort Smith, Fort Stockton, Fort Davis, that whole, you know, high altitude, West Texas. That's but pretty cool. Don't stop there. I mean, like, <laughs> half of our production we farm under William Chris, right? And then the other half comes from nine different Texas families. And let's not forget the guys in uh, Altus uh, and John out at at uh, Enoch Stomp. They do some wonderful Blanc de Bois production for us. Uh, we've got Jan- John Dale out in, in uh, Brenham. Um, that that is just grown wonderful Blanc de Bois. If you if you get the the privilege, that's a real head scratcher wine for us. We do some really unique Blanc de Bois that's aged over lees and sometimes barrel aged. You know, a little crazy stuff there in really really unique Blanc de Bois. Um, and then we've also got um, Chris Lloyd and his wife out in Tyler, Texas, which do some uh, Jacques or Black Spanish for us. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, and then we, we really go all over the state and that's, that's why I get up in the morning, right? You know, you, I get up because I want to share a piece of my world, you know, of our world that we can show what Texas tastes like. Uh, nine of our wines, or th- only three of our wines, or four of our wines are blends from all over Texas. Everything else is either, you know, one vin- single vineyard or maybe two or three vineyards right next to each other. And I think that's what really defines Bill and I, is, you know, that... Wines with a sense of place. And it's going to be fun, too. I mean, we have this total cerebral view of wine sometimes. And, you know, all the thought that I put into it. But at the end of the day, you got to drink wines that are fun. you got to have fun drinking wine. If you can't do that, then I just all drink Coors Light, because that's always fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> wine is fun, too, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and you can, you can feel it. Uh, so for those of you listeners who haven't been to, to William Chris Vineyard's as soon as you pull in, you feel welcome, right? This place is it's welcoming, it's warm, the vines are here, you know, you, you and Bill, everybody are walking around, and, and, and it's, you almost feel like you're at home, right? You don't feel like you're an outsider. You, know, you bring in, you taste some wines, taste some up-and-coming great stuff, and, and that really says a lot about, you know, the mentality of what you guys are doing here. So, um, so one last question, you know, every winery, and I don't even know if this is an easy answered question, kind of has the, the signature varietal that shows who they are at the core. Is there a signature varietal here that's like your core, like your baby, or do you want to have more of a broad palette and say, we're not just dedicated to Morved or to not? Mm-hmm. You know, how would you describe that? Is there an easy answer or no? Well, I, th- I think it has to, it all comes down to the growth and, and long-term view of William Chris. And it's funny you ask that because Bill and I were having a great conversation about that yesterday. Um, we have got... Two beautiful Bordeaux blends that, uh, well, one maybe you could argue is Coheres, and then 
Bordeaux. Like Enchante is always going to be Bordeaux or very, very, very tight Bordeaux, like 98% Bordeaux blend or 100% Bordeaux blend. And that's, that's from one of our older vineyards and, and, and it is friggin' gorgeous. It is what wine should be. It's got wine with a sense of place. It's, it's all from the, the hill country and mostly from the, the, um, I guess you'd call it the middle hickory and then maybe a little bit from the Perdinaus river Valley, you know, like all, what a beautiful blend of, of Bordeaux varietals should be. Then we've got the hunter, which year after year has been predominantly a, a, a Bordeaux blend, um, or a Coherence blend. The 2013 might have a little more bed in there because I think it really was, we were screwing around in the winery and blending. And I think it was really interesting to see. Um, but other than that, we're really going those, those, you know, we've just talked about two wines there that are roughly two to 3000 cases of our production. So 20, 20%, 30%, right? Mm -hmm. Everything else is all Rhone, you know, and a little, you know, we have a great Sangiovese program. We have a great Syrah program, um, High Cross, the guys out in Sonora doing a great job. Um, we, but Morvet is, I guess, the bulk of our new stuff. We're growing in those areas. We're not shrinking in other areas. We're just growing in those areas, if that makes sense. So, um, I would say Morvet is really the, the bulk of our growth stage. Um, and since so, um, you know, we did a little Carignan this year that you'll be surprised to taste in three years because it's pretty beautiful already. Um, but I would, I would definitely say blends, which of course, I guess we've danced around this question for a while now. Uh, Morvet is where we're growing, but blends is where it's at. Um, I'm a big believer and most people don't understand that when you're drinking cab, you're pretty much not drinking cab, right? You're drinking maybe 75% cab and 25% three other five other varietals or same thing with anything right yeah. we like to just close everything and show you what the wine is, is all based about even though we might still call it cab or saint Jovese. yeah the, the core of the backbone yeah. sure blends sure. where it's at i mean really is blending is, is key to get integration yeah. and diversity and, and the complexity that you expect from any good wine i think absolutely and it, sh it shows terroir and it also shows off what um you know Bill's our backbone in the vineyard, I'm our backbone in the winery, but we put these whole things together, uh, together, together, right? If that makes sense. Yeah. So it's our team that puts these blends together. And as we work with more vineyards and more regionality, it's great to like find that new little slice because we're not making California wine. We're not making, you know, French wine. We're making Texas wine. And that's what it all, I think the growth of Texas depends on that. It's people making texas growing texas wine yeah so for sure well we'll keep it up guys thanks so um, much well i appreciate it i think most people appreciate your wines and i think the listeners are gonna love hearing you talk about it the, the rambling diatribe of an old of an of a tired winemaker who goes on vacation <laughs> tomorrow i can't wait harvest is Harvest has beat me up. You deserve some relaxation now. Thanks, man. Maybe you can enjoy some Coors Light, too. Yeah. Relax the easy way. No, no, no. We do enjoy Coors Light a lot. So, uh, <laughs> don't underscore that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up, guys. Once again, thank you for listening to the Texas Wine Lover podcast. And uh, you can find us on Facebook, at Texas Wine Lover. Look us up. Like us. And we're also on, uh, on iTunes. You can find this podcast on both the website, Facebook, and iTunes. And uh, if you join Texas Wine Drinkers Facebook group, we're also on there. 
Uh, Chris, thanks for hanging out, and we'll yeah. wrap it up. Thanks so much, man. Cheers, guys. And when you come out, please make a reserv- uh, reservation. You can email me at chris at williamchriswines.com. Um, you can also email henry at williamchriswines.com or check us out at williamchriswines.com. Um, and get all your information and sign up to come out and see us. I'd be glad to show you around personally um, of the winery anytime. So um, please get on my schedule, and we'd, we'd love to share a piece of our world with you. Thanks, guys, for listening. You can't beat that. If, if Chris didn't lure you in with that, I don't know what it will. <laughs> Come visit, guys. You will enjoy it. I promise. All right. Till next time, uh, keep listening.